Welcome to the podcast of RUF at Boston University. Well, we are in the series Questions God Asks Us, and this question is, can these bones live? And I realize Ezekiel is one of those books that's pretty mysterious. Uh, first of all, it's, it's prophetic. So what does that mean? Is it already passed? Has it already been fulfilled? Or are we still waiting for it to happen? All of these questions come up. Uh, I hope we can answer some of them. Um, but just to start us off uh, before I pray, hope in the resurrection. Just, just keep that kind of as the headline. Uh, if you get confused, hope in the resurrection. That's kind of what we're going to be talking about tonight. So let me pray and then we'll dive into it. Father, we're amazed at your goodness to us, uh, your word that comes to us uh, kind of sometimes feels obscure. Uh, but Lord, we know that uh, there's great wisdom. We know that um, even in this uh, prophecy that was made long, long ago, that you are pointing towards something far greater and something deeply personal to each one of us. And we just ask that you would open our eyes that we may see that and open our hearts that we may trust in you more and more. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so tonight we're going to talk about hope. I think I already said that. And um, I recently came across this article, and it was uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, BU alumni, alumna, uh, as many of y'all know. And she was having this conversation with Greta Thunberg. And it was really interesting. Uh, they were talking about being young, being in, involved um, in, you know, policy and change to, to mitigate uh, climate change and all of this stuff. And uh, in one section, they talk about hope. And I want to read you a quote from AOC. She says this, um, I learned that hope is not something that you have. Hope is something that you create with your actions. Hope is something you have to manifest into the world. And once one person has hope, it can be contagious. Other people start acting in a way that has more hope. So I am in no way going to get into politics or even climate policy tonight. All I want to focus on is how we think about hope and specifically where does our hope come from. And I think AOC is onto something. There, there's a lot to be said for the potential of humanity making changes one person at a time. Uh, there are amazing things that happen when humans come together. Landing on the moon. At one point, no one would have ever thought that was possible. But in 1969, the first human set foot on the moon. It used to be that polio, this is what you'd see um, on, on your TV screen uh, when you watch the news. These, these young people, these young children uh, in these bubbles uh, because of polio. Um, I mean, this is an awful thing. Thank God that we came together and we figured out a way to eradicate polio. COVID-19, the vaccine, record number of months, uh, I believe, for how long it took. An incredibly short amount of time to come up with several vaccines. And of course, we're still trying to come together and actually get the vaccines. But it's pretty remarkable what we can do when we come together and we tackle humanity's biggest problems. 
uh, exploration or a pandemic or something like that. There's a reason why in Dante's Inferno, the heading over hell says, abandon all hope, ye who enter here. That's the way we describe hell or think of hell. It's a place that's hopeless, that where there is no hope. So the human spirit, every single person clings to hope, to hope in something. And hope in humanity is a hope that unfortunately runs out. Eventually, the cup runs dry. Let me explain what I mean by that. Um, the average number of years that an American lives is 78.6. That's a time limit that we all have to make an impact in this world. Um, eventually, we will die. There's a limit of natural resources uh, our planet itself uh, is limited, it's decaying. Each of these things, when we think of just within a human sphere or even just earthly sphere, there's limits. There's an end to hope when we set our hope on these things. So what do we do when hope runs dry, when it all runs out? Well, there's another type of hope. Uh, we'll call it Christian hope. This is hope that is still there after all human effort has been expended, uh, when it's impossible for there to be hope. There is the Christian hope. When all hope is lost, there is God who is without limit, who is infinite. And how we access this kind of hope is by faith in him. So we're gonna unpack this tonight what do I mean by that kind of hope? Uh, we're going to talk about uh, how God takes us from dry bones to living bodies, from death to life, and from a dualistic hope to a living hope. So let's get started. From dry bones to living bodies. Our passage tonight is the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel is a prophet and likely also a priest who lived in the 6th century BC. And it's important to know that Ezekiel was an Israelite. And this is what happened to Jerusalem. This is his city. This is where he lived and worked and had a family. And this is what happened to it when the Babylonians, when King Nebuchadnezzar came and ransacked it and burned the temple down and killed many of its inhabitants but took 10,000 of the Israelites to Babylon. And Ezekiel happens to be one of those 10,000. So he's in Babylon, and he's in a foreign place, and he is still continuing to be a prophet, which means that he receives oracles or visions from God that are meant to be told to the people of God. So what we're reading tonight is one of those oracles, one of several or oracles throughout the many, many chapters of Ezekiel. This one starts out where it says, The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out into the spirit of the Lord. He set me down in the middle of the valley that was full of bones. And he led me around among them, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley. And behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? So Ezekiel receives a vision 
by the Holy Spirit of the sun-scorched valley scattered with human bones. Uh, most likely the aftermath of a past battle, which we'll actually see later. That's true. And God asked him an odd question. Can these bones live? Son of man is how God addresses Ezekiel. Don't let this distract you from this odd question. Can these bones live? Well, they're not just dead corpses. They're bones. They have decomposed to the point where they're completely dry. Um, it seems like it's a rhetorical question. Maybe you've uh, experienced this um, when someone kind of enters into a situation when it's utterly hopeless and maybe uh, it's just a friend who um, points out the painfully obvious in the midst of your own heart's turmoil and it feels like pouring salt on the wound or a punch in the gut when they point out or bring up the heart of the matter. Can these bones live? Sounds like an absurd question. Um, yet it introduces the possibility of something that clearly has been lost, which is life, which is flesh on these bones, which is the breath of life. It introduces the possibility, could that be restored? Could life be regained? And Ezekiel says, oh Lord God, you know. Maybe he's dumbfounded by that question itself, but he says, I don't know. God, you know. This is impossible in my understanding of things, but you know. So God tells him to speak a word, to prophesy over these bones. And this is the content of these words that God wants him to speak. Oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you, and will cause flesh to come upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. And sure enough, it happened. The bones were covered in flesh and skin and organs, but breath didn't come the first time. It's interesting. So he, he prophesies again, and Breath comes from the four winds, and they don't just have flesh to the bones, but they have the breath of life, and they stand up. And eventually what you get is dry bones covering the valley to an army of living, breathing soldiers. But there's something more that's going on here in this prophecy. Um, and thankfully, he explains what's going on in the immediate sense. He, he, the Lord explains to him, so this is Israel. There are so many dead. The city is in ruins. The city of Jerusalem is in ruins. Its temple is burned. Thousands are in exile. Um, and God was going to restore them. God was going to bring them back to their home, to their promised land. And even though Israel is like dry bones now, there's hope that they will be walking and breathing once again, that they will have the blessing of God uh, restored to them. But there's more than just that. In verse 14, it says that the Lord will put his spirit within them. 
there's something bigger than just a temporal or earthly kingdom or city or temple that's going to be restored. What we'll find is that this is a prophecy for us. This applies to us even still to this day. Eventually, this temple was restored. There was a second temple. In, in some way, kind of in an intermediate sense, this prophecy did get fulfilled. But there's something that this temple points to. And so we're going to get to that. It points to a transition from death to life. Now, this passage is one of the few predictions or prophecies of the resurrection of the body, the resurrection, you could even say, of Jesus in the Old Testament. It prophesies about something that happened or has happened, is happening, and will happen. So let's go through each of those uh, tenses real quick. This has happened. We have a foretaste of this. Jesus, 2,000 years ago, was flesh and blood. He was fully God, fully man. He wasn't partially man. And he claimed to be the Son of God. He claimed to be equal with God, and he was killed. He was executed. He was crucified for blasphemy, uh, claiming to be God. And that body was laid into a grave. And three days later, Jesus came out of that grave, that same physical body with the same marks and scars, the human body, but it was more than just a living, breathing um, human. It was a spiritual body. This body would never die again. So this resurrection has happened. This is what the, the Christian faith is centered on, this resurrection. If this didn't happen, then our faith is null and void. But there's something that is happening to us um, and every day since Jesus rose from the dead. In Ephesians 2, 1 through 6, it says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him. So what this means is that because of our sin, we are dead. Spiritually, we are like that valley of dry bones. And there's nothing, even if we tried, there's nothing that we can do to bring life, to bring flesh back, to bring breath into ourselves. But by faith in Jesus, spiritually, we are brought from death to life. We are raised up spiritually. And this is happening every time someone places their faith in Christ. This is huge, but this is not all that there is. There's something that will happen. 1 Corinthians 15, 52 points to a future resurrection. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised, imperishable, and we shall be changed. That means that everyone who places their faith in Christ, their physical body that has died, most likely, 
that same body, though it is buried in the ground, or maybe it's already disintegrated, will be brought to life. Your same body will be raised from the dead and it will be imperishable. It'll be like Jesus's body, that eternal spiritual body. And this is going to happen. This is the the core of the Christian faith and this is our hope. This is what we believe in. And there's something really important to note when we think about hope, about the implications of this. What does this mean for us today? This allows us to move from a dualistic hope to a living hope. Now, let me explain what I mean by dualism. We uh, tend to separate hope into two categories. We either have a, a category of hope in something happening in our spirits, in the spiritual world, in our souls, or we have hope in something happening in the physical and the material world. Um, this tends to be, um, even if you're not a Christian, even if you're not really religious, you place your hope in the, the here and now, right? In, in the material world. And in what's going to happen after you die, you hope that it's for the best, right? You hope in something. Everybody hopes in something beyond their physical life. Another way we do it, um, you, you might say the world is all we have and we need to do our best to take care of it. It's our only hope. Or the world is passing away, but the spiritual will remain. So therefore hope in the ethereal, mysterious world beyond. You, you might identify that as heaven. You might have a name for it, or you might just say it's, it's the world beyond. It's the afterlife. But either way, we, we, we tend to have a dualistic sense. We separate these two things. Our hope in this material world is very separate from uh, our hope in the spiritual world. Um, even Christians do this, right? So a, a lot of Christians believe in the resurrection of Jesus, and they believe that something has happened to them spiritually, and they hope that one day spiritually they will be with God in heaven. But what you do here on this earth doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how, how you take care of, of the environment, how you uh, treat your neighbor, how you uh, vote, every single thing. It doesn't really matter as long as you've guaranteed your spot in heaven. That's one of the ways this dualism plays out. It also plays out in other ways. Sometimes you, you um, place your hope solely in this life um, and, and you don't have any hope. Uh, in, in the afterlife. You say, I'm just going to cease to exist. So my hope is really ultimately here and now. These 78.6 years that I have on this earth. So what the resurrection does is it erases or destroys, it breaks down this dualism. Because of the res resurrection the goodness of human bodies, the goodness of the physical world, the goodness of God's creation, the, the flesh and bones of our lives, it says that it matters. That God has given his big stamp of approval for the bodily world that we live in. He's saying, 
I made this in the first place, and I am remaking it. This is the dawn of a new creation. Just as I created and I spoke, and out of nothing, all that exists came into being, I am speaking life into the death that is caused by sin. And I am bringing about new life, not just spiritually, not just in a mysterious, ethereal, unseen sense, but I am bringing about restoration to the cosmos. There's a really great film. I, I, I wish I could uh, get a show of hands to see if you guys have seen this, like in a science class. It's really dated, but it's called The Power of Ten. Um, in the film, you, you go in really close, um, all the way zooming in into uh, the cells of this man's hand. And then by powers of 10, you go all the way out until to, to 10 million meters zoomed out outside of the earth. And if you can use this, especially if you've seen this uh, film, it's, it's really helpful to think about. Every square inch, every molecule, every nanoparticle, to the smallest degree, God is concerned about. And then all the way to the widest vision of the cosmos, of the stars, of the galaxies that exist, God is making new. God cares about all of it. There's one uh, theologian, Abraham Kuyper, he says, there's not one square inch of all creation that Christ does not say mine. This is mine. Everything that's been destroyed, everything that's in decay, everything that's in ruin, all of the broken relationships, all of the broken uh, families, I am restoring, I am recreating. Jesus destroys dualistic thinking. Can these bones live? Jesus answers this question once and for all. Yes, we've seen it. Jesus rose from the dead. It can happen. He came to earth and he died. And he lives to this day. And friends, it, it took me a long time to actually um, realize this or, or for someone to, to teach it to me. My, my dad mentioned it one day that Jesus in physical form is right now alive and seated at the right hand of God the Father. His physical body, that same body that walked this earth and breathed this air, is alive. Jesus is alive, and if Jesus is alive, then we know that there is hope. If death can be overcome, if there's something on the other side of death that can be touched and seen, and we can know that it's good, and that it's eternal, and it's never going to let us down, and if that thing is God, then we can have hope in this life, not a dualistic hope, but one that encompasses everything. It means that what we do right now in our physical bodies matters. How we treat each other, how we lead our sex lives, what we eat, what we drink, everything we do matters to God. Our spiritual life matters to God. All of it matters to God. All of it needs to be given to God by faith. 
Ezekiel was a prophet. And Hebrews speaks about prophets. He says, Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, and he still is there. Where do we turn when all hope is lost? I think AOC is onto something. She talks about hope being manifest. Hope is manifest in the world. Jesus came into the world and manifests hope for us. And while he was on this earth, he was contagious. Those around him, he spread the hope that he had. And friends, if we have the Holy Spirit living inside us, we have the possibility for a great hope. A hope that looks uh, at this world and knows that there is hope because God cares about it. A hope that looks to the world to come, to the spiritual world, and says, I know that I will see the Lord risen and alive one day. What if we go around being contagious with this kind of hope. A hope that when things look hopeless to our eyes, when the absurd question, can these bones live, is answered once and for all in Jesus rising from the dead. What if we had this hope? What if we were contagious with it at BU? Heavenly Father, we ask that you would give us hope that you would fill us with your spirit, that we would know that you are the risen king and you still are alive this day. We thank you for your word to us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.